قل كفى بالله بيني وبينكم شهيدا يعلم ما في السماوات والأرض والذين آمنوا بالباطل وكفروا بالله أولئك هم الخاسرون. In the previous ayat, Allah subhanahu wa taala discusses how to argue with the Ahl Kitab and how the revelation that came to Muhammad is from the same source as it came to the Bani Israel. So the source of revelation is the same. Therefore, all people should believe in Allah and all of His revelation. Here, from here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is consoling reassuring the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa in that no matter what happens Allah will take care of you Allah will be enough for you and you must go about your daily affairs your task and your mission believing this say Allah is enough as a witness between me and you Allah subhanahu wa he testifies the angels, they testify. Allah bears witness. And angels also bear witness. And this is how you must believe to reassure yourself so that you don't feel, you don't feel that you are deserted. He knows whatever is in the heavens and the earth. And those who believe in the battle, the falsehood, and disbelieve in Allah. They are the ones who are the true losers. Meaning there is belief and there is disbelief. Here in this world, in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the word iman and kufr in a very loose and general sense, not necessarily in their technical sense. So, belief has to be in the truth and not in falsehood. Likewise, disbelief is in falsehood, not in the truth. But just as a matter of expression, the Qur'an uses the style of the literal Arabic and informs people that although you should not be believing in the falsehood, but if you do, then you will lose out. So, in, the, in this ayah, the two words, Iman and Bukhah, are used, as I said, in a very relaxed way. Uh, so, when we read this ayah, we must not become too technical and say, how can you believe in falsehood when falsehood is not the truth? There's a mode and matter of expression. In the next three ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the punishment, the adab. 
that one is to believe in Allah and reject the falsehood and the other is to reject the truth and belief in falsehood. When you have this mindset and you're always arguing consciously, continuously against what is the truth and you want to push your agenda of falsehood, then invariably you're going to end up saying one day when you are cornered that if you are indeed on the truth then bring on the punishment. Uh, these, this is what these three ayat are saying. That they seek to hasten the punishment by asking you to bring on the punishment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now explains to us one of his rules of engaging in this world and that is that had it not been for an appointed time the punishment would have come. Meaning everything works according to Allah's plan. There is cause and effect. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes to deliver the message, then the message has to reach its term first. What is the term? Whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides. Now the hujjah and the burden of acceptance has been fulfilled. And if people reject after this time, then the punishment will come. When it does come, and indeed, most certainly, it will come upon them all of a sudden. وَهُمْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ But they will not realize and they will not perceive that the punishment has come. Sometimes people are continuously punished and then they don't realize that this is punishment. From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They go, go about their daily lives and their business as if nothing is happening. And so, on. so here... Uh, the point is that punishment does come eventually, but Allah spares people and gives them respite and gives them a chance to reform and to make toba and to repent so that uh, they are not punished in this world. However, there are some people who are heedless and mindless and they live in oblivion and even though Allah proves to them time and time again that He is in control, they will not Except that God is in control. And they hasten you to bring on the punishment. But they should know that Jahannam is already surrounding and encircling the non-believers. Meaning that the heat of Jahannam is being manifested by their kufr, by their rejection, by their denial. When you become so incessant and passionate about your disbelief and you reject the truth all the time, then that brings about a certain aura around you. Okay? That aura of rejection is your jahannam. Okay? That aura of disbelief is your hell. Why? Because you can barely escape it whenever you are visited by the truth. You say the truth to the truth. You don't belong here. And you kick away the truth and you say you are an intruder. That is the point of Jahannam being already here upon the kafir. Jahannam is wherever it is beyond what we know of this universe. But the effects of Jahannam are with the people who disbelieve all the time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that instead of asking for some physical punishment, 
look into yourselves, your lives, and look into your problems and your issues, and you'll see that you are already encircled by hell. You're already surrounded by so many issues in your life that you don't know what to do. You cannot escape. Okay? Otherwise, if you knew that you are in hell, and you realize you are in hell, you would not be seeking punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala constantly and continuously. يَوْمَ يَخْشَاهُمُ الْعَذَابُ مِنْ فَوْقِهِمْ وَمِنْ تَحْتِ أَرْجِلِهِمْ يَقُولُ ذُوقُوا مَا كُنْتُمْ تَعْمَلُونَ And on the Day of Judgment, when the punishment becomes apparent, and you see the physical punishment in front of you, and behind you, above you, and underneath you. Okay? The day when the punishment will overtake them, and overwhelm them from above them, and from underneath their feet, meaning they'll be totally surrounded physically by the fire, they will say, the, meaning the angels will say, Allah will say, thou taste what it is that you were doing. Meaning, the effect of your actions and your disbelief will be manifested by the punishment in hell. Hell on the day of judgment and after death is nothing except an extension of your own disbelief. It's something that you have created through your rejection. It's something that you have now earned through your disbelief and through your constant bombarding of lies and falsehood against the Qur'an, against Allah, against Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Right. So these three ayat depict Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ability, his qudra, to punish people in this world. The first layer of punishment is disbelief itself. Okay. Once we appreciate that iman is a rahmah from Allah and disbelief or kufr is a punishment from Allah, then we are secure from, inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa divine wrath and eternal wrath. Secondly, that the problems and issues that we face in this world may be looked at from two points of view. One is that it is a test from Allah subhanahu wa That Allah tests everyone in this world, and then people pass the test, or they fail the test. But even if they fail the test, and if they have belief, it still remains a test. So you're still under the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you seek forgiveness and Allah forgives you. Okay. The other way is to say that I can handle this, this test. And when you say I can handle this test, that's a punishment. Not in the sense that you want to uh, become fatalistic, but if, if, if you're in, in your arrogance, and your rejection of Allah's ability to control you and to command your life, then that test becomes a punishment. It becomes a love. And now you're saying that you're God. <coughs> so whenever a test befalls a believer, the believer first of all will be apprehensive. That, uh, God forbid, I've done something wrong. And as, as, as an effect of my wrongdoing, this has come upon me. So he now seeks Allah's rahmah by making istighfar and by giving sadaqah right, and helping other people and so on. So this is what the Prophet sallallahu said that as sadaqah extinguishes the anger and the wrath of, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
So that the Muslim and the believer sees, okay, there's one way to, 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 to uh, divert this ghadab, uh, there's this pleasure of Allah, and that is to do uh, good deeds and to give sadqah and to make istighfar and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help. Okay. This is one way to appropriate uh, problems and issues, calamities, disasters, loss, etc. The other way is to say, it doesn't matter what happens, I'll come back and uh, I'll be there to you know, pick up the pieces and uh, we have insurance and so on. Okay. That is not the correct approach of a believer. Then that becomes a punishment where God takes away from you what you had earned in this world and you're left without anything to write home about and you have nothing except your own small little determination to say okay I'll pick up the pieces and I'll move on so what is to associate the problems with the divine and say this came from Allah and you remedy that not only by action but also through ibadah, dua, istighfar, etc. And the other is to not remedy that through dua, istighfar, and that is where the problem lies. The third level of adab is pun and punishment is on the day of judgment, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will judge every human being according to his actions, according to his faith or lack thereof, and he may send few people into the hellfire, nasallallahu alayhi and this is all to console the Prophet Muhammad that your Sahaba are going through some trials and tests because this is Surah Al-Ankabut and in the beginning of, surah, of the Surah Allah subhanahu mentions that when you say you are a believer you will be tested meaning it is part of life so now you are being tested for the sake of Allah for the sake of saying you believe in Allah for the sake of Believing in Muhammad etc., etc., you should see that as a test from Allah, and you should bear that. And if you bear that, you'll be rewarded for being patient. And this is how Allah is now uh, consoling, reassuring the Prophet Sahaba that your trials and tribulations are not part of Allah's uh, scheme to punish you, it is part of Allah's scheme to test you so that you'll be rewarded for your test. How do we know this from the next time? Ya ibadi alladhina amanu inna ardi wasi'atan fa'iyyaya fa'abudun Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying All my servants who believe you must know that indeed my earth is very vast when you're being persecuted here in Makkah but a time is going to come now as this was the last surah to be revealed in Makkah before the hijrah that uh, you will be able to migrate and go to another piece of land, another part of the earth where you will settle and you will be able to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala freely. So only me should you then worship So only me should you then worship means that at this time you are being persecuted and you will be punished by the kuffar, by the Quraysh but you must realize that this land is not their land. This earth is not their earth. They don't own anything except what Allah subhanahu wa gives them control over. So the land and the earth is very vast and you may go and worship Allah subhanahu wa anywhere where you are allowed to do so freely. 
this is now a prelude to the hijrah of the Prophet that when you're being persecuted this way, then you must seek refuge in Allah and you must seek refuge through people and go somewhere where you can worship Allah freely, where you have freedom of religion. And this was, as I said, the basis for the hijrah of the Sahaba to Medina. It was not that they were running away from persecution or they're running away from being punished. They were running towards a place where they could worship Allah freely, right? without any fear of persecution. So, only me should you then work. So, you, you, if you put all of that into this political construct, uh, this construct of, uh, of being able to worship Allah, uh, then it makes sense. The hijrah, all of it makes sense, and hence the whole surah is in line with the whole idea and theme of trial and tent test and tribulation for believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Quran and so on. As far as running away from death, Allah says, Kullu nafsin Doesn't matter where you are, you're going to die. Every nafs, every soul is going to taste death. Meaning whether you're in Mecca or in Medina, you're bound to die. So the idea must not be to run away from problems, the idea must be that you're running away towards a place where you can worship Allah freely. It's a very different mindset. One is reactionary and the other is very proactive and very assertive okay? and very positive. So the hijrah was a positive mood, not a reactionary mood. Okay? And the proof of that in the seerah is that the Ansar came to the Prophet ﷺ two or three years before the hijrah. And the Prophet ﷺ made a pact with them, not once but twice, and said, okay, now we're ready. We can move to a piece of land, a piece of earth, where we can worship Allah subhanahu wa freely, and we will have the protection of the people of Medina, or Yathrib at that time. And that's when the hijrah was declared. They had no fantasies about not being tested in Medina. Right? Because even in Medina, the Prophet ﷺ was tested. Even in Medina, Sahaba were continuously tested. What was the difference? The difference was, in Medina, they could worship Allah freely and then still be tested. In Makkah, they could not worship Allah freely and they were tested. So, this idea that you're going to die. What does it mean? It means that every person, whether they live in adversity or prosperity, is going to die one day. That is the reality of life. The most certain thing about life is death. Kullu nafsin, you're going to taste death, no matter who you are, or what you are. And this is your worldview. This is the, the, the attitude you must have towards uh, trials and tribulations. So, you can do it one of two ways, as I said, either acknowledge that Allah is in charge and He's going to test you no matter who you are, what you are, and eventually you're going to die. And when you die, what happens? Then it is only to us that you will be returned. So you still have to give an account for your life, whether you are in prosperity or whether you are in adversity. It doesn't matter, you're going to be returned to Allah, and then Allah will now, hopefully, in this auditing, and then say, okay, this is how it is, and send you off to Jannah, inshallah, free.
Or the other way is to say that I have so many problems in life, I'm now going to emigrate, I'm going to seek asylum, and when you emigrate, you seek asylum, then you go to a place and land where people don't like you, and they want you gone, and you'll be repatriated, or there's xenophobia, and you're still none the wiser in the land where you sought asylum. And then it creates a confusion in your mind, and then your iman goes. Right. So the Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba were trained to think this way. It's not that you will never be tested. The issue is, can you worship Allah freely? So if you seek asylum for the sake of worshipping Allah freely, then that is a good asylum. But if you seek asylum merely for the fact that you don't want to be persecuted anymore, then you might be in for a very big surprise. No matter where you are and who you are. And as you know the case, what's happening in the world today, and Allah gives us all refuge from His wrath and from His trials and tribulations. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَنُبَوِّئَنَّهُمْ مِنَ الْجَنَّةِ غُرَفًا تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِ الْنَهَارُ خَالِدِ فِيهَا نِعْمَ أَجْرُ الْعَالِمِينَ Allah then says that after you have now passed the test, or you have sought forgiveness, and you have sought Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's fadl and His grace and His mercy, those who believe and do good deeds, indeed, most certainly, we will give them a place in Jannah. We will give them abode, an abode in the garden, in paradise. In such rooms and dwellings and lofty apartments where the rivers will flow from underneath. Meaning they'll have an abode where there is no uh, harm and hurt whatsoever, and they'll be in, in, in luxury, and or not only that, and they'll have a very serene environment uh, and atmosphere around them. It will be lush, and it will be green, and they will hear and look at the sound and the spectacle of water wherever they are. Whatever a person imagines today as paradise. Right? Hawaii is called paradise because of these features. There's green, there's lush, there's water, and there's serenity, and the temperature is just right, and it's very comfortable, supposedly. The difference is, in Jannah, that's your permanent address. You will stay there forever. But this is on the back of what you do in this world. So here Allah subhanahu is promising the Sahaba, who have been persecuted in Makkah, the first of all, Hijrah, is around the corner, and number one, number two, if they continue on the path of sabr and worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then they will be, uh, they will be uh, granted an eternal abode of peace and tranquility in a very serene environment where they will stay there forever. Now this was the promise Allah gave, and this promise was fulfilled. Ni'ma ajrul amilin. So good is the reward of those who do. How sweet is the ajr of those who work hard. The ajr means the reward. Those who work hard are those who believe in Allah and continue to do good deeds no matter what the circumstances are in the world. So what is a constant for those who believe in Allah is that they continue to do good deeds no matter where, then adversity or then prosperity. That is a constant. 
That doesn't change. What changes is the world around them, things around them, that they don't give up hope or, uh, or the belief in Allah. Others may panic. Well, at this moment, it is raining very hard and it is very cold and I have so many allergies, so I think I'll take a break from being a good Muslim today. And I won't do it in my salat. So that doesn't work. Right. Well, today, you know, I don't have a job. That's And therefore, today, I'll take a break from salat. Why? Because Allah is not being kind to me. So I'm not going to pray today. Today, you know, I feel this way. So I'm not going to be kind to my my uh, spouse or to my children. I'm going to be a jerk to Right. You don't say this verbally, but you behave this way, subconsciously and unconsciously. So the, the constant is what? That you have belief in Allah, and it is that constant and consistency which allows you to live in Jannah forever. Forever. Khairul amali adwa The best of decent actions are those that are continuous. Even though they may be very few. So the consistency and the permanency in your belief and in your action is what's going to translate on the Day of Judgment into your eternal abode, which is in Jannah. So this is what Allah is saying. Ni'ma ajrul amilin. So good is the reward of those who work hard. Who are they? Alladina sabaru. Those who are patient. Meaning those who are constant, those who are steadfast, and those who persevere and remain persistent in trying to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through thick and thin and through health and sickness and through adversity and prosperity whatever the condition is you do as much as you can to please Allah in that moment and it is only on their Lord that they really rely and trust they don't rely and trust on people they don't rely and trust on their own actions they rely only on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So at every phase of their lives, uh, throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout the year, whatever it is, they rely on Allah. This Allah wants us to be. And their faith is unflinging. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, training the minds of the Sahaba and the minds of the, uh, the, mind of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa so that you become a resilient Ummah, that you don't succumb to the pressures of life and say, this is not working, I give up. A Muslim is not a coward. A Muslim does not give up. A Muslim doesn't say, this is the last straw. A Muslim is never cornered because it is only in Allah that they trust. Allah is never cornered. He is capable of doing anything at any time. All it is is that he's tested. When you acquiesce to the reality, Life in and of itself is a test, then you are at peace. But if you do not acquiesce or submit to that reality, then life will always be confusing and always disturbing and perturbing, and you'll be in a state of total chaos in your mind. And that's how uh, most people reflect their lives in this world. As far as your own sustenance and as far as your own provisions, Allah subhanahu wa gives us another one of his rules. One rule he has mentioned is that you, are, you will be tested no matter what you do in this world. It doesn't matter where, where the, you, you are, in Mecca, in Medina. Uh, you will be tested. 
the rule here, number, number, number two, the second rule, that you're going to die. The third rule here of his sunnah, right, on his, uh, his, his uh, you know, his approach to human beings and his approach to uh, creating problems and solving problems in the world is that human beings must realize one fact. What is that? وَكَيِّمْ مِنْ دَابَّةٍ لَا تَحْمِلُ رِزْقَهَا اللَّهُ يَرْزُقُهَا وَإِيَّاكُمْ وَهُوَ السَّمِيعُ that there are so many creatures and animals that do not bear the burden of their provision. They don't carry their risk. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah yarzuquha. Allah is the one who feeds them and provides for them. Wayyakum and likewise he provides for you. So yes, you may go out to work in the morning and bring, bring back some earnings and money and food on the table. But when you look around you, in the, the, the atmosphere, in the world, in the universe, you'll see that there are very few that actually know where their risk is going to come from in the day. Because this is how Allah's Father has created this system, so that human beings may reflect and ponder and say, where does the bird get, get its worm? There's only so many, so many nuts that you can afford a squirrel in your neighborhood. You see all the squirrels? Every day, they are fed. Who feeds them? You don't like squirrels, you don't put nuts outside your house. Good idea. Good idea. But where, where do they get their food from? Where does the bird get its food from? Where do all the animals around you get their food from? Somehow, they are fed. And it's not through an economic system, right, of the USA, where the USA doesn't even feed its own people properly, right? It's through the system of Allah. That Allah has created the system where naturally you are going to be provided for. So you look at these animals who are provided for, and you must draw an analogy from them to you and say, well, provide for me too. The difference is, just as they go out and search, likewise, you have to go out and search. But they have a belief that they will find food. Likewise, you must have a belief that Allah will provide for you also. That's the motivating factor. So you reflect upon your surroundings, the environment, and you draw an analogy and say, okay, subhanAllah, this works. The nizam of Allah, the system of Allah works for every creature. Since the time that Allah created everything until now, this has been the nizam. There has never been a general assembly or the United Nations having discussion. How are we going to feed the birds in the world? How are we going to feed the fish in the world? How are we going to provide now food and sustenance for everything? You, uh, you capture them, you put them in a zoo, then you're obligated to feed them. But if you leave them alone in the wild, who takes care of them? It's not you, it's not the zookeeper. It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is uh, another fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants all Muslims and the readers of the Quran to appreciate that He feeds them and He feeds you. Why? He's the one who hears and He is the one who knows. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears the distress of all animals and all creatures He has created and He comes to their rescue all the time, every day. 
because he knows. He is all-knowing. His knowledge is eternal. When you are, mashallah, in a good state, then it's easy for you to um, administer this uh, because you're not in constraint. But if you speak this ayah to people who don't have food on the table, then it takes a lot to believe in it. Right? Because they're under stress. And then the giraffe is here, right? Look how God's feeding me. Right? So with the Sahaba, they believed. And they trusted Allah's Sahaba. So when the ayat were revealed, they believed in Allah no matter what. So they did not hold Allah, God, accountable for the statements He makes in the Qur'an. Then, why? Because you don't fight with God. Many people, when they have this freedom of thought, which is also something that should be in the Constitution, freedom of thought. (laughs) What is freedom of thought? That I can reject this or accept this. So when when you're free to think the way you want to think, then very rarely will you be able to acquiesce to the reality that as man, as far as man is concerned, when Allah tests him and constrains and restrains his means of livelihood, he says, my Lord has deserted me and my Lord has insulted me. Ahanan. This is in the Quran also, in Surah Al-Fajr. So that this psyche is very obvious in people who are under duress that they panic and they don't know what's going to happen to them they don't know where their next meal is coming from they don't know where their next bill is going to be paid from and they go about uh, as if they are uh, a chicken without head right. and that's normal right. that's normal but what's the remedy the remedy is belief and faith in Allah the remedy is trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the remedy is to look at all the stories of the Qur'an and all the ayat of the Qur'an that talk about sustenance and how Allah provides for everyone and everything. Once you acquiesce and submit to that power of Allah to feed you and to provide for you and then you go about looking and searching, then the help comes. But if you succumb to the pressure of the time, then you are losing hope in yourself and you are losing hope in Allah also, which creates his own a set of issues and a set of problems, etc. Right. So, in these these ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, to summarize what we have read today is that man should not be hasty to seek Allah's punishment and Allah's adab. Because if you do that, it will come inevitably. What you want to do is seek refuge in Allah from His punishment. Number one. Number two that man must understand and appreciate that it is uh, that man's duty to live in such a way that he is free to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Freedom of religion and freedom of worship, they are very, very essential to the lifeline of the Muslim. Where you are being persecuted and you are underground and you are not able to worship Allah, then you have a different fiqh. You yeah, have different set of rules and so on. Where you are free to worship Allah, then you can do so many things based on that freedom. 
the first thing is that when you do have that freedom, then worship Allah. Don't worship the freedom. Only me should you worship. Don't worship the land. Because that land is Allah's and this land is Allah's. They all belong to Allah. Lillahi This is only Allah who owns and controls everything in the heavens and the earth. Number three, in order to sustain ourselves in this world, uh, we must reflect around us and see how Allah, God Almighty, takes care of the whole universe and provides provision and sustenance for everything that He has created. Once we believe in Allah's universal ability to feed everything, then we are at least acquiescing to the might and power of God and we are at peace. But if God forbid we are not peace, at peace with that reality and that aqidah, then we will be disturbed. At the same time, we do not overlook the reality that human beings will more than often falter and they will feel the pressure and they will feel that they are being deserted. And the remedy for that is to believe in Allah and to look at the seerah of the Anbiya in the Quran, look at the seerah of the Sahaba, and look at the great success stories that uh, we have in human history where human beings have shown resilience and perseverance and they have come out with flying colors and they continue to worship Allah and serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the message of the Quran in this surah, which is surah Al-Ankabut, a surah that talks about persecution for the sake of Allah or because of belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You'll have to bear with me today. We'll finish here today. Inshallah, we'll meet again soon. Jazakumullah khair. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, subhanakumullah, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, ilaha illa anta, nistaghfirullah, alhamdulillah, 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 alhamd